When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Now, in my opinion, the scariest stories are the ones that don't have any room for jokes or laughter. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal of Kevin Eustace. Hello, and welcome to the dark paranormal. We all know skeptics. It's healthy, especially in this subject, to be sceptical. It helps you not to get carried away. It stops central heating being mislabeled as a ghost knocking on radiators. But I think sometimes sceptics are sceptical towards the paranormal, simply because it's easier. Your understanding of the world will never be challenged if you can rationalise everything. I personally think this is best described by journalist Will Storr in his book, Will Storr versus the Supernatural, where Will, a sceptic, experiences something paranormal and admits that if he accepts his experience as paranormal, then he needs to revisit and readdress almost every aspect of his life. Because, as he says, if there's life after death, then there could be a heaven and hell. And if so, that means all of his actions on earth may be being judged by the fabled big man in the sky. And for an up-to-that-point atheist journalist, that would be a cataclysmic realisation. As believers, we need the sceptic. We need the logical mind to keep us on track. The sceptic's role in true paranormal research is often overlooked, especially by supposed ghost-hunting groups. In my opinion, each group should have a sceptic amongst their ranks to offer a counterpoint though sadly they rarely do. I think they're missing a trick, though, because would there be anything better for a believer than having a sceptic witness something they can't explain? I don't think so. Therefore, when we hear a ghost experience which comes from the mouth of a sceptic, for me, they're truly the best stories. Because the teller 
is telling you something which goes against every rational bone in their body. To tell you that they experience something. Something that they, despite their best efforts, couldn't explain. This story today comes in from a sceptic. And, as I say each time, please give this experience the respect it deserves. Don't have any distractions going on when you listen. Suspend any disbelief and allow yourself to be swallowed whole by the story. That way, you'll get the best out of this podcast. Today's true paranormal experience comes in from Mike. Hi Kev and all listeners of the Dark Paranormal. My name's Mike and I'd like to tell you about my trip to the Lake District in 2010. First, I must say I'm a bit of a loner. By that, I don't mean I'm not sociable or I don't get on with people. I just mean I'm much more at home with animals and I prefer podcasts to people. Being like this means I often holiday alone. Just me and the dog. I prefer autumnal breaks, normally in rural areas, where we can have long walks and come back to a log fire, a good book, and a nice bottle of red. My dog, Martha, was nine months old at the time. A collie that I'd gotten from a farmer. If any of your listeners have ever had a farm collie, they'll know that as they're usually working dogs, they have double the energy of a standard dog. And Martha was no exception. So... I booked a late September midweek break in a lovely old cottage near Lake Coniston where we could take some strenuous walks through the idyllic scenery. On arrival, the place was just what I wanted. Ivy up the walls, cosy, comfy and very isolated. So isolated that whilst driving down the lane towards the house... The lane was so overgrown through lack of use, I questioned whether I was even on the right track, but it was beautiful. The dog bounced right in, wagging her tail, as I investigated each room. Though small from the outside, it was actually deceptively large when you got in, and very, very warm. All in all, it was the best suited place I'd stayed in in years. Well, happy with my lot, I went upstairs to check the sleeping arrangements. It had two bedrooms. The front bedroom had a single bed and a bookcase, with a small chalange under the window. And the back room was much more spacious, and had a big king-size bed and the back window of that room had an amazing view of the hills, boldly standing out against the grey sky. I unpacked, 
flop the dog's bed at the foot of my bed, as we do at home, and whistled for her to come up and see the room. This was my first warning that something wasn't quite right. Martha was sat at the bottom of the stairs and she began barking. Oi, I said, what's all that about? And I walked down to see her. When I got down, she began whimpering and hiding behind my legs before bolting back into the living room and laying by the unlit fire. I'd noticed from previous journeys that she can be a little tetchy after a long car ride, so nothing was particularly unusual about this type of behaviour. I decided a brisk walk would sort her out, and, so, I got myself ready and we headed out. She was a little more frisky than usual, so I decided to keep her out longer to try to wear her out. I always know when she's had enough because she comes and walks close to my left side with her head down. Thankfully, this happened just as we lost daylight and the weather began to take a turn for the worse. So, we headed back. On the route home, we came across a chip shop. So, I decided that I'd treat myself to fish and chips for that evening's meal. When we went in, the lady behind the counter was bright and breezy and really fussed over Martha, giving her a sausage for free and asking her breed, etc. Conversation turned to why we were up there and where we were staying. When I told her where we were staying, in that particular cottage, there was a shift in her demeanour. Nothing drastic like in films, but a definite Notable shift. Then, she said, How's Martha with the house? Strange question to ask, I thought. She's fine, I said. We haven't really been in it. Pretty much came out just after getting here. Oh, she said. And then, after a long pause... I'd say make her bed up downstairs, she said with a caring nod. Interesting. Ah, but she normally sleeps with me, I said, smiling. Well, the guy who owns it has a dog, and he said his dog won't settle upstairs, the lady said. Oh, I replied. But I wanted at least a reason. Why is that? She smiled and bit her lip. Stopping what she was doing to fix me with an almost, shall I, mischievous look. Can can I ask you a question? It's a bit weird, she said. Well, it depends how weird, I replied, or something similar, trying to keep the conversation jovial. Do... Do you believe in spooky stuff? Like ghosts? I asked. Yeah, uh, ghosts, witches, all that sort of thing. No, no, not really, I said with a chuckle. Why? 
Is it meant to be haunted? She didn't reply. She smiled and raised an eyebrow, as if to say, You're laughing now. She continued. Well, the owner reckons so. It's a good few hundred years old, that cottage. Legend goes it was built for a local landowner and his wife. Apparently, she got on the wrong side of a local witch. A few days later, they both go missing. And the witch is living in the house. The locals knock to see what's going on, and she has proof that the deeds are indeed signed over to her name. So, the locals leave it alone. No other landowners, though, wanted to build anywhere near the house, and it stayed pretty much isolated ever since. Well, that's a good story, I said. Worked out well for me, too, because I like the isolation. She gave a small laugh and continued. Funny enough, she made the news again last year, that witch. Developers were looking at building by there, but apparently the land's too bad, too swampy in certain areas. And in the news, they were talking about how she supposedly cursed the land around her house so that no one could build there even if they wanted to. Well, I'll sleep well tonight, I joked. Ah, I'm sure you will, she said. I got my meal and we left. And even though it was a relatively humorous conversation, I couldn't help but feel a little uneasy. We arrived back and of course, now, it's pitch black and silent as we enter the cottage. It took me an age to find the switch on the wall to put the light on and I could feel my anxiety rising as I fumbled around. When I finally got it, I stood and took a deep breath to centre myself. As I exhaled, there was a cold breath on the nape of my neck. I spun around to see no one there. But then I reached out and felt around the door frame, and I could feel where the breeze came in through a gap in the front door. I sighed with relief, and even chuckled a little at how stupid I had been. Let's get you some dinner, girl, I said, and headed to the living room. But Martha wasn't there. Martha? I shouted, but could only hear the silence of the house and the wind blowing outside. I walked to the kitchen and put the light on. Still no Martha. And then I heard a whimper from upstairs. I stood at the bottom of the stairs. Martha! I shouted again. And again, just wind and silence came back at me. But then, another whimper. I slowly walked up the stairs. Near the top, I could see into the back room, but I couldn't see Martha. Martha! Bang! 
Simultaneously, there was a noise from the front room and Martha shot past me and bolted down the stairs. Easy, girl, I said, and went to check what the noise was in the front room. But, and here's the thing, the noise was the door slamming shut. Martha had just been in that room, and as clever as she may be, she can't close a door behind her. I opened the door cautiously, hoping upon hope I would find a window ajar and could rationalise the door slamming due to the now ferocious storm blowing outside. I opened the door. The room was icy cold, but no windows were open and there wasn't a breeze. I stood there just trying to rationalise it. I let go of the door and stood back to see if there was a self-closing mechanism perhaps, but it just stayed in the same place. I jumped as I heard Martha bark downstairs, her usual playful bark. I looked down the stairs and she was at the foot of the stairs wagging her tail, happy as you like. I decided I'd shut that door tight to save any more mystery gusts and headed for my meal. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. I managed to shake all of this off and an hour later, my fish and chips finished and Martha fed. I lit the fire, opened my bottle of wine, poured a glass and went in my backpack for my book. I rummaged around but couldn't find it. So, I assumed it must be somewhere in the car. I know I definitely brought it with me because I'm a fastidious list maker, ticking things off as I go. So, I put my coat and boots back on, got my car keys and headed for the car. When I got there, battling the elements... I searched everywhere but simply could not find the book. I slammed the boot shut and instantly noticed something was different about the house. 
The front door was still ajar as I'd wedged it open, but something was... Darkness. All the lights had been turned off. That's what was different. The living room light, the hall light, the landing light, all had been on when I walked to the car. But now, the only light that came through the window was the low glow of the log fire. Still being rational, I'm now thinking, has someone run into the house? Have they seen me go to my car? But why would they turn the lights off? I slowly walked back inside and turned the hall switch. Nothing. Panic started rising in my throat. I headed to the living room and made out the switch on the wall thanks to the firelight. I turned that one. Nothing. Think rationally. Think rationally, I said to myself. Fuse box, I thought. The fuse must have went. And this thought calmed me somewhat. Like most houses, I imagined the fuse box would be found maybe under the stairs. And would therefore need to head back to the car to get a torch. Which is what I did. Torch in hand and feeling a little calmer, I began scanning the wall of the staircase for a cupboard or an opening. And that's when, from upstairs, I again hear Martha whimper. I didn't move. I left her by the fire, I thought to myself, and reached behind me to push open the living room door, peeking in. But I could see she wasn't in the living room anymore. Now she's a fast dog, but I can't figure out how she got past me and upstairs without me seeing or hearing her. Girl, I shouted as I crept up the stairs, torch in hand. Are you okay? I stopped near the top. Another whimper. This time I could tell that it was coming from the front room. I reached the top and stood there. The room door was open again, despite me shutting it earlier. Determined to stay rational, I thought, she's probably just pushed it open, and then thought, yeah, that'll be it. It's much more believable that a dog can push a door open than pull one shut behind itself. Again, this thought calmed me somewhat. I was about to head in, but then I thought I'd try to call her out. If she comes out, I may see what happened last time. I.e., maybe as she comes out, she'll catch it with her tail or something. The door will close, mystery solved, and then I can go and fix the fuse box. No paranormal stuff here. So I stayed at the top of the landing. Come on, girl, come on, I said, slapping my thigh. Then I heard Martha panting, but not from the room. She was at the foot of the stairs, looking up at me, wagging her tail. I froze as I tried to make sense of everything. And then there was another whimper, 
from that front room. I slowly backed down the stairs towards Martha, keeping the torchlight shining on the landing. Bang! Same noise as before let me know that the front bedroom door had just slammed shut again. So I ran. I ran and fumbled with the front door lock, rushing out to my car, with Martha right beside me. As we looked back, fighting for breath, the lights came back on. Now, I was in my mid-forties at this point, and I'm not a slight man, even now. I could hold my own in a fight, let's say. But I didn't want to have to step foot back in that house. I opened the car and made sure Martha was safe inside. Took a deep breath and ran into the living room to grab whatever I could carry and then ran back out. I shut the doors behind me, put the key back where I'd got it from originally. I just needed to leave. I've never been that frightened in my life, before or since. As I reversed out of the drive, the lights in the cottage turned off once more. I put my foot down and sped off down the lane. That was it. But it wasn't. There was one final horrible thing to experience. About a mile from the house, still on this lane, the car cut out. Now This was a new car. It had never given me any bother. Keeping calm, I tried to turn the engine over. When I noticed that Martha, on the back seat had pushed herself up to the right side of the seat against the door. Still, she was pushing with her paws, as if to get away from something, as she's staring, looking out of the left window. I followed her gaze, and someone was stood there. They were stood with their back to us, in a long black cloak, perfectly still, looking into the deep thicket, their cloak battling in the wind. On maybe the fifth or sixth attempt, the car started up and I put my foot down and finally got out of there. As I said, I've never experienced anything paranormal in my life before or after this experience. But I promise you that this is what took place that September in Coniston. Do I now believe in ghosts and witches? No, not completely. I mean, maybe that was just a blanket caught on a branch. Maybe there was a cat who had snuck into the house. And maybe the electrics were just knackered in a few hundred-year-old cottage. Or, maybe, I encountered the spirit of a real witch. I guess I'll truly never know. Love the show. Thanks. Mike. Witches are a strange item of the paranormal sphere. Were they just medicine women of the Middle Ages? 
who, due to paranoia and religious fervor, were persecuted. It's now believed that witches did fly on brooms, but not in the way we see in woodcuts and paintings. It's believed that they would smear a broom handle with a psychedelic substance, one that would be fatal if consumed, but if absorbed through the skin, will cause hallucinations. It's believed that this is where we get the folklore of witches flying around on broomsticks, when in reality, it may be just a group of people experimenting with drugs. Interesting. It's also interesting when witch folklore crosses over into everyday parlance. So, for example, did you know that it's allegedly frowned upon to say the name out loud of a dead witch? Allegedly, by saying its name, you will give the corpse power. Power to return, if said enough times. Reminiscent, of course, of Voldemort from the Harry Potter movies and books. We are, of course, in the month of Halloween. It's the best month for anybody interested, like you are, in the paranormal. And although this podcast will not be having a Halloween special, my other podcast, We Need to Talk About Ghosts, will have a number of them and be a lot more light-hearted than this show. So go and check out We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Before I wrap up this episode, I do need to offer an apology. In the last episode of The Dark Paranormal, the writer of the story which was submitted referenced mental illness. It's been brought to my attention, and rightly so, that the language used within that story could be viewed as derogatory towards people who suffer with mental illness. Although I don't believe it was the intention of the writer of the story for that to be the case, I do have to agree with the complaint and hold my hand up as presenter of the show to maybe scour these stories a little more before I just commit them to the podcast. As I state, I'm sure nobody's intention is to insult or offend, but irrelevant of intent, the language broadcast was wrong. And for that, I apologise. It is Halloween, so if you do have a story which you think would make it onto the dark paranormal, send it in to contact at talkaboutghosts.com. If your story doesn't make it onto this show, it will 100% be read out on the We Need to Talk About Ghosts podcast. Just a quick reminder too on how this podcast is going to play out. We're going to have 10 episodes per season and each season will alternate. By that I mean that this season, clearly, is listener-submitted ghost stories. Each alternate season will be an episode about an exceptionally famous ghost story. And that should appeal to both new listeners to Paranormal Podcasts and because I'm aware many of you will have went through each famous ghost story countless times on podcasts, I'll make an effort to find out new details 
that should keep even the most experienced paranormal investigator interested. Okay, guys, thank you for your time and for downloading. Please hit subscribe if you haven't already. And I'll catch you next time on The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.